Tom? What's the goalie doing? 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 Hello and welcome back to what will hopefully be a very philosophical What The Folk Sunderland review show. It's fair to say I had planned a completely different introduction to this pod. Alas, the annoying little head of QPR's goalkeeper pissed on my chips just as I was adding cheese to them. And I'm sure, as you all know, Sunderland somehow contrived to concede two late goals and were forced to settle for one point rather than a much-deserved three. Alas... We're here to review it and, as always, react to a day of pretty much mixed emotions at the Stadium of Light. Um, we're still missing the lovely voice of Dave Lawrence, who will be back. Don't worry for fans of Dave Lawrence. We are fans of Dave as well. Um, however, first and foremost, we're joined by the regular voice of Brad Sharp. Brad, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm not so bad, mate. Um, it's a little bit deflated, really, but like I've said time and time again, it's early stages. It's about the performances for me and we'll... We'll get into that. But uh, all being well, the rest of it, yeah, good. Wish me and my croaky voice. Wish I could say the same, mate. But um, alongside him, Ross Black has stayed in the What the Folk starting 11, even though there's only three of us, after a very impressive debut performance. Um, Ross, how are you, mate? You okay? I am good. I don't know whether to be absolutely fuming or like hysterical with laughter. Like it's the most sunning thing ever, but I'm still like. Ugh. Deep down, I hope I can look back and go, God, I remember that. But when I left the stadium, I was like, what the, what on earth has gone on? What the folk's gone on? What um, the folk's gone on? <laughs> you could have saved it, could have been a perfect, perfect intro of that, but well done. You messed it up. I had to do it for you. Fair enough. Um, to be fair, it was like, as did our defense. Um, to be fair, it was like the game itself, 10 minutes beforehand, right? I'm not even joking. I turned to the lad next to us, Stephen Barnes, turned to Barnsley, and I went, don't know why I gave him full title there, by the way, Barnsley. Um, I turned next to him, I went, Barnsley, mate. I went, it's mad, isn't it? We're the only club that could get double relegated and then double promoted. There's only us that could do that. And then when the goalkeeper came up, he kind of went, we're probably the only club that'll concede two in the last five minutes. We're like, the goalkeeper getting the equaliser. And then like, <laughs> it was just total deflation from him when it went in. Wait, everyone else was like, ah, oh, ah. Oh. He just went, Oh, he's done it. <laughs> it's like it it was in some ways it shouldn't be funny, but I think if it was like late in the season and like it was like for a playoff place or promotion or to stay up, you'd be absolutely seething. You can probably pick apart more of the positives, I think, at the minute. It certainly felt if something conceded two goals in the last three, four minutes of any game. I would have probably dreaded doing a review show. And I think a lot of people would have been going absolutely acker on Twitter. And to be fair, there's one or two, but in the main, I think most people like enjoyed the game today and just went, ah, man. But ultimately it's been, it's been like a sign of progress, but that's, that's kind of my thoughts on it. Actually, Brad, I'll, um, I'll throw this one to you. You've, you've kind of said you feel not right about it. You're probably in a similar vein to me. Um, but how are you feeling after the result? We're talking like four hours afterwards. Um, a funny one really because I did say before I'd take a point mm-hmm. I'd take another point it's a, it's a good solid start really um, but I'm like yeah, like 10 minutes before the end we tune it up and did we look in much danger of conceding no and 
were being done by a brilliant free kick, which again, like the Coventry goal, can't really do too much about. You can maybe say, should we have brought the lad down earlier? But hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, I'm, 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 am I deflated a little bit? I, I, we've thrown away three points. You know what I mean? Um, and as the nice song was getting sung most of the game, we were top of the league for a little bit, and it was nice. Um, and by the way, I hope we stop singing that because I think the last time we sang it, we were top of the league after the Chef Wed game and see what happened after that. So please don't sing that one again. Um, but yeah, I'm <sighs> deflated, but I'm still happy with the performance in the whole, especially the first half. And I think there's a lot more positives than negatives that come out of that. Um, and there's stuff that the team can really work on. And I said, Little things that are going to go against us, <clears throat> and maybe deflate the team. That's where Alex. That's where Alex Neil will maybe learn a lot more from his squad. So I'll be quite keen to see how we pick ourselves up after that one. Because don't get us wrong, it does feel like a bit of a defeat, mm-hmm. but we've got a point out of it, and we're still unbeaten in the league. So look, it, it, it's a step up in quality. They have to be focused for 96, 97, 98 minutes, and we just weren't. So. We'll move on, but yeah. I think I sort of said um, in my, which I don't really do a Twitter post-match reaction and like say my thoughts if I can, because like Twitter's for that, but Twitter shouldn't be for instant reaction because that's when you say stuff that you don't really mean. But I was actually quite balanced like coming out. Um, in my opinion, people might say I was being too nice or not being harsh enough or whatever. But um, I think the confidence comes from Alex Neil, like, if that, like someone said, oh, it felt like Lee Johnson. And I know what he meant, like in the way that we threw away the lead. I, I kind of get that. And I, and I don't think the person who said it was like, oh my God, it's Lee Johnson over again. I don't think that's what he meant. He said it, it felt like a Lee Johnson kind of ending, which it kind of did. But the difference for me between the likes likes of Lee Johnson and there's other managers that can put in there as well, is that that became like a regular occurrence. To be fair to Alex Neal, it's happened currently in QPR um, as he's adjusting or getting his side to adjust to a, a new league. Um, do I think Alex Neal has built up enough confidence in the bank and enough um, respect in the bank to give for me to give him a, a bit of slack? Aye, absolutely. Um, has he made mistakes today? Yeah, we'll get into it. I think he has. Um, has the team made mistakes today? Aye. This is happening in March. We'll have a different conversation, but I think it's happening now. It's I fully trust that Alex Neil will learn from it. Is the the long and short of it, Ross? Um, same question to you, mate. We blabbed me and me and Brad. So, um, but I can't miss. I can't leave you out. How did you feel about the game? I think it was great up until the 80th minute. I think, well, the 80th minute maybe. But I also, I don't want to be like say I don't have a go in on Alex Neil because what he's done with these same players from last season is brilliant. But forty substitutions today were a bit off. Like to me, I said it in the after the game. I was like, Sims came off ten minutes too early, and Embleton and Wright came on ten minutes too late. Um, and it's the first time I've really thought that about Neil because he's always got it right, even in the playoff semis against Sheffield. Right, make a sub, make a sub, and he didn't, and it paid off. But I just feel like today is probably the first time he's got it. <laughs> Don't know wrong, but he's miscalculated it. You look at the goals we conceded, a brilliant free kick and a goalkeeping header. Like, it, you're not going to get that every week. You know, it's a bit of a, it's a sickener. And it just adds to the frustration, I think, of, like, you say, a bit of 
knee knee jerking on Twitter. But uh, aye, it's if, if you said to me at the start of the season, we'll have five points after three games, or went wicked. Aye. But it's the way that we threw leads away. Like the way we came back against Bristol City was amazing. But then we've had two home fixtures where we've been on top and we just haven't been able to maintain it. And in the end of it, we've been we've been hurt by good quality players and a bit of a fluky header. I think people are forgetting. I don't know if I'm just getting really old here, but it was like the ghost of Mike Sheeran today. And there's only going to be a certain kind of like generation of Sunderland fans who are going to understand what I mean by the ghost of Mike Sheeran in 1998. Scary similarities for those of you who are not old enough, because I know most people who listen to this might be a bit younger. Um, if if you rewind back in 1998, if we'd won, we would have been top of the league. It was a Friday night game on Sky. Squinny, Squinny, Quinny scored twice, and um, Mike Sheeran scored two late goals for keep you up, pull it back, and make it two two. And it was grim, um, and it cost us a place of automatic promotion. Um, so. It wasn't as bad as then, so there's a plus point. But um, I think, you know, in every assessment, there's positives um, from the game itself, Brad. Like, you know, and ultimately, I think that's what we'll begin with. I know we've touched on, like, what sounds like a few negatives there. It's hard not to react to, like, conceding to growth in the last, like, 30 seconds, which is what I felt like both came in, and not be a little bit um, peeved. But there's much more positive in the cold light of day when someone says, oh, do you remember that game against QPR on the 13th of August 2002? If I remember it, I'll feel much more positive about it. Um, stadium was rocking. I think the first, th- for me, the first 45, this is a bold statement, Brad, and you might disagree with me, but that was the best performance or best period of a performance I've seen from an Alex Neal side, considering the level we're playing at now and how good we actually were. Uh, how right in that assessment do you think I am? Yeah, I agree, mate. Um, I did say that one of the lads I was sat with uh, you met him earlier as well I said to him I think that first 45 was the best we played under Alex Neil um, in particular yeah I'm going to say it as well I think Corey Evans was absolutely outstanding today while we're going to go on to the positives I'm going to put a bold statement out there and say in my memory or immediate memory that's probably the best centre midfield performance I've seen especially the first half at the stage of my life since someone let me know who would be better because I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. Jack Rodwell, Manchester up- United, opening opening home game of the season. Outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I can't even laugh at me. I can't, I can't. Um, um, best midfield performance since... Oh. Um, Loric Sauna v Liverpool. Aye. Yeah. We're going aye. with that. Go so that's quite a while. Um, but I just thought he, he was absolutely everywhere. Mate, he's he's flicking it over people's heads in the middle of the park and then just bent to the other side. And I'm like, is this Corey or Johnny that we're watching here? Um, but yeah, he, he was phenomenal. And that's everyone knows that I've, I've always loved him, I've always knew he's had that in his locker. To be fair to him as well, when Ballard went down, I thought it was a strange one when Luke O'Neill got the noddy ahead of Bailey Wright. But I thought O'Neill back in defense didn't put much wrong. Maybe one or two passes, cross-field passes went a bit astray, but apart from that, he's getting his head on everything. Um, so I'm picking out like individual performers, which I, I know they do come into a bit of criticism, but these are these lads are like, playing at the next level now and they're starting to show that they maybe, they maybe can make that step up. Um, obviously, Luke O'Neill has had a bit of criticism, especially playing in midfield, but we've always said he, we, we find him a brilliant defender. And he showed once again today, if he plays in defence, 
there's, there's no reason why he can't be in that first eleven. Um, and the two up front as well, our very own SAS, a goal each as well. That's exactly what we wanted. So yeah, um, I, I will agree with you about the the, the performance and Alex Neil de- definitely the best one, along with some, or especially one performer, is his best game in our. I'd say that's Evans's best game for Sunderland. Um, as a whole, and I, I, I don't think anyone would be too angry just to just disagree with us on that one. No, mate. I, I think I think for me, like I was going to say, the next question I got there was how good is Corey Evans? I've literally got that wrote down. Um, there was points when he was doing like Santiago Virginia flicks over the head of like their midfield, and I was like, what are you absolutely on? Like, how much Red Bull have you had today, Corey? But he did have a great game, um, and I love that he's probably making well he is making me look stupid from what I thought was as, as soon as last March I, I love that I love when I'm wrong he's well, making yeah. you look stupid Not <laughs> you had to think what he's making me look like <laughs> I wanted to touch on Luke 9 there right so I'll throw this question at Ross as well but it's no secret that I've always been a big fan of Luke 9 and people will probably notice there's a common theme with the people that I like as um, professionals and what they do at the job at Sunderland Association Football Club. And there's a similarity between the ones that I, I don't like. And it's a case of pretty straightforward stuff. Who learns from the mistakes and who doesn't? Now, Luke O'Nine's game occasionally, especially Wednesday night, can be littered with mistakes because um, he's in the best possible way a trier. What I really like about him, I feel like he probably goes home and analyzes it. And today I thought he was tremendous. And for me, his best position is right back, probably. Um, I don't mind him in midfield as much as others. I certainly don't think he's actually a centre back. I, I genuinely don't. And I thought again he was superb. And when he comes on, you're thinking, well, why not Bailey right? Um, other people said it Alessi, but I kind of understood that because he's left footed. But I thought Luke was was excellent today. And I think um I just think he always continuously comes back and and I don't know if he even proves people wrong, but there's there's some people who don't rate him that highly. I, I really do. I'm not saying he's the best player in the championship ever, but he'll always do a job for Sunderland, and that's absolutely vital for the Sunderland this season and where Sunderland are at the minute. But Ross, um, O'Neill, I, I don't actually know if you're his biggest fan or, or not, or you're in the middle of it like me. Um, but Ross O'Neill, uh, Ross O'Neill, Luke <laughs> O'Neill, Ross. <laughs> it's, oh God, I'm tired. Um, it was great today, wasn't it? I I was the same as you, when when I seen like Ballard was obviously unfortunately really hurt. I was like, oh well, Bailey Wright will slot in, and Bailey Wright did warm up first as well. I'm in the north stand, so you see them like thingy, and then all of a sudden you just seen Luke O'Neill appear from nowhere, and Alex Neil point him, and I was like, whoa! Everyone around us went, that doesn't make sense, unless we're putting Corey Evans centre back, and then because to be fair, Alex Neil's never played to my knowledge Luke O'Neill centre back either. Which he had done in the past. Played him centre back at Morecambe, but he was on the left Morecambe. hand, the left hand side of a three, as opposed to the right hand side. And it was interesting that he said in his post match, "Don't quote me on this, but it was along the lines of he doesn't see Bailey Wright as someone who plays on the right hand side of a three. He sees Bailey Wright as someone alongside Danny Bart in the middle, who who's leadership, and he wanted to play a three today because of the way that QPR set up in a narrow front three, and he thought Luke O'Neill would be the best option for that. That's interesting. But it also then, I don't want to put a negative spin on this, makes you think, why did he bring him back on? <laughs> so when we went, when we, I know they scored and it was probably as a defensive, try to shut up 
shot. But but yeah, back to Luke. I thought that he's a he's he's one of them in between when he's good. I think he's really good. But I think when he's bad, he does stand out as being bad, unfortunately. And um, today, I, I think he won his aerial duels really well, which is one thing that's a really strong part of his game. The passing out the back was hit and miss. But I thought first half, especially when you had Gooch really hogging the touchline, you had even Dan Neal came across on the right-hand side a lot, a lot more. And it created a lot of space for Pritchard in the middle. And I thought that them three linked up really well, along with Sims and Stewart running behind. So, so I it is interesting that he sees him in that position, and it'll be interesting how we we line up on Wednesday now. I know that's going a bit forward, but Ballard's going to be off for a bit by unfortunately by the looks of it. So that might actually, if you asked me before the game, where does Luke O nine fit in in this sense? Where I probably said he might leave, but now if he sees him as a right centre back ahead of Bailey Wright, and you put him forms like that. He could still have a, <laughs> a full season here as a defender in a right-sided centre-back role, which is totally different to the role we played last season under Neil for the majority. And it's going to be probably as a reprieve for one nine, especially given he sent a mid- midfield performance on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I thought he was really poor on Wednesday. I'll take a flip side and a bit of balance, but I thought he was excellent today. I, I actually was really impressed by him, and I love his attitude. Um, I know, like he's. For some reason, a polarizing character, but I've, I've got a lot of time for him. Um, I thought it was really hard to pick a bad performance today. Um, sometimes you look and you think, "Oh, could this player have done better?" I thought Jack Clark was a little bit wasteful with the ball, but I thought the way he was pulling defenders out of position was just giving like Sirkin and that like a lot of space and Daniel a lot of space. Um, interestingly, Brad, I had a conversation with someone today, and and I absolutely love when you have a chat with someone outside and you respectfully disagree because it's a proper good conversation, and we really respectfully disagreed. Um, this bloke said we're waiting for the bus back in the park and right to get the car to go back to Glasgow, and the the guy said, "Daniel, shit, just dead blunt," and I went, "I don't think so." Um, but we end up having a proper conversation about why he felt that, why I felt Daniel was good, and one of the things he said was that. I just feel he's a little bit too weak and a little bit nimble for this league. And I'd much rather have someone either alongside him or alongside Corey Evans that is a, a big, massive bruiser. Um, we've still got time in the transfer market. I think it's pointless me asking the question. I think today did show that at the very least to bulk the squad out, we need some numbers. Do you think one of those numbers, Brad, does need to be someone that's big and brash in the middle? There seems to be a bit of an obsession with it at every club to have someone big and strong in the middle. Do you think we need it, or do you think Dan Neal and, and Corey Evans can can carry that start in eleven with occasional replacements coming in? I did touch on it. I think before I said we know Dan Neal's got talent, but he's going to be playing maybe three games, four games, and he's going to be out the side, and that's where we do need that experienced centre midfielder who's got a lot of championship games under his belt. Maybe he's around the twenty-eight, thirty-one year old mark. Um who can just slot in there and if we need to change it, can change it. I don't agree that Dan Neal's shit. So whatever it was, I, I don't agree with that at all. What I will agree with is he's still learning. He's going to make mistakes. Unfortunately, he has... I mean, but I think last week, he, I, I said he was... I didn't say he was shit, but I thought he was very poor last week. Um, Today, he seemed to change his game. Like Ross said, he was coming deep. He was coming to the right-hand side and picking up the ball quite deep and trying to get us up the park a little bit. Sometimes it came off, sometimes it didn't. That's going to happen. 
uh, it's part of his development. He's only a young lad, so that's what we have to remember. But yes, we do need someone else in there who can just slot in and just do the job. Someone who's got a lot of experience behind them. Um, it's, we, we can't be affording to take the risks on the likes of like another Matete, someone that's young, upcoming, and stick with the model. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like absolutely stick with it. We have to deviate ever so slightly just so we've got that extra bit of experience and a bit like just a bit of physicality in the middle because like, like we've just we've just praised Corey Evans saying how good he was today and we know what Dan Neal is capable of doing but there is going to be games where they're going to dip or they're not going to be at it and we just need someone in there who, who can slot in for a game two games or even make them fight for the jersey back because at the minute who, who is waiting in the wings to, to take that off them it's like oh nine, but like we just said, his best positions at the back. Alex Neal might think that as well now. Matete, for me, he'd be going back on loan. He doesn't fancy Winchester. He wasn't in the squad again. And then who are you looking at for centre midfielder? Embleton. He's more of a ten, isn't he? he? I mean, he has sat in alongside Daniel in the past and sat in alongside Evans. But mm, yeah, it's starting to show now, especially because I mean, you're seeing Dan Neal and Pritchard today, they were knackered after about 70 minutes, 75 minutes. And they persevered until about the 85th, 86th minute, and by then, yeah, it was too late, like Ross said. I mean, you see Nambleton was kitted up 71st minute, and he didn't come on late yet. It's like, does he not have a lot of faith in taking these lads off? We need that body in there that can, someone's having a bad game or not quite at it. Right, you're coming off on 60, there's someone that's going in there that can do that job straight away. For me, it looked like um, Sims had like another, like I said, I think it was Ross, you said another 10 minutes or so in them, Sims. Thought we lost an awful lot when Sims went off. Um, I love I love Ross Stewart, um, but Ross kind of drifts out to the to the wide wing sometimes um, and obviously doesn't stick um, in the middle, I think, like Sims does. I would have liked to keep Sims on just for an extra 10, just to keep us kind of a, a bit high up the pitch. But the, the midfield is kind of the conversation we're having, Ross, I guess. What I find the most interesting thing is this model that, like, a lot of people go on about, and I think by and large the model does work. Um, by young, someone who's going to grow with the club, and then hopefully we can sell in time. However, there's there's plenty of exceptions to that. Um, Danny Bart is an example. The fact that Bailey Wright signed another contract is a big example. Uh, you could even say Pritchard's an example. Um, Pritchard is more of a risk. Corey Evans is another example of that. Now, I think all of those players that I've mentioned are experienced players that have either signed new contracts or been signed as part or during this new model to show that we do need to deviate from it a little bit. I'm going to throw a name at you because he's been linked quite heavily. He's been linked up here. He's been linked down in Sunland. I think there's something in it. Uh, James McCarthy. Um, people are worried about his injury record, but Corey Evans has a similar injury had similar injury record. Well, not similar, but he he was, was they said he was as injured. They said the same with Bailey Wright. Uh, James McCarthy, I think if we bring a midfielder in, will be the one, if I'm honest. I have no prior knowledge. Do you think that's the right decision or would it go elsewhere? Um, I can't say I've seen much of James McCarthy since lockdown when he played for Crystal Palace. Nobody's seen him but for a while. Much. Nobody's seen him but, for a while. Um, what I would say is, though, he automatically becomes, I think, I might make myself look straight away, but I think he's the most experienced at the highest level player we will have in the squad by a long stretch. And he's the kind of player 
from what I've seen of him when he played at Everton and Palace that can just keep the ball ticking over. And he puts his foot on the ball, he can break the lines, but he most of all he brings control and he will bring that experience head. So let's be honest, the budget and the the you see the, the the philosophy we're working under and the recruitment plan. If McCarthy was playing 30, 40 games for Celtic and ripping it up, we wouldn't have had a chance of him anyways. So there's always an element of risk. Um but I think he's also got a good relationship with Alex Neal. He played together at Hamilton and he's still playing for Ireland in the squads. I know he played pre-season for Celtic. So I think part of the problem is Celtic do play a very high tempo game, which is a lot different to the way we the rule he would need to play for us from what I've read on the forums and stuff like that because, yes, I'm sad enough to do a bit of a deep dive. But I'm going to throw it out there as well. I think if Unayan is now classed as a centre-back and he doesn't fancy Winchester and Matete, we need two centre-midfielders. We don't just need one. Because in that specialised role where we play in two at the minute with Evans and Neil, we are then going to... If Evans, who's already got three bookings, by the way, and two more will be missing a game, Neil, who doesn't, at the moment to me, is a great 60-minute player, and then he seems to struggle... When new changes come on, we're going to need someone like McCarthy who can play that Evans role. But I think we also need a bit more athleticism. Athleticism, that's a hard one. The tongue twister. But we need someone Athletic- who athleticism. Uh, athleticism. <laughs> who can um who can break the lines and get a box to box? You know, uh, like the, to be fair, that's what we were told with Matei. We just haven't seen it. So we need to bring someone in, maybe on loan from the top level. I think, you know, I know there was a few names banded about who could maybe look for a loan or do we need to just say, look, we need someone who's proven championship who can do that. Like someone like today, I know it's a bit different, but you've heard the name Ilias Chair who scored with QBR on the AFL Quest highlights for the last three years. And he's never really went, oh, he can play higher or he'll, but he'll never play lower. He's just someone who's in the championship and can do a job. And it's maybe it's time to let's say deviate from the model just for to make sure that we are going to be comfortable at this level because I am a bit I'd say the midfield is probably the most I'm worried about because if you take Corey Evans out of that midfield, it's very weak. I mean, big fan of Daniel. I do agree with you that he hit sixty and, and, and that's kind of it. And I think ultimately not just like in a, a roundabout way in my thoughts. Him being knackered made him make that tackle that that free kick went in. I'm not blaming Daniel for it. I'm not blaming Alex Neal for it. That's just sometimes the way the game is. But we need another option. And I don't mind Embo deep. But yeah, I would like another couple in material if I'm if I'm completely honest with you. Even if they're just like um loan players from you know a Premier League club or, or McCarthy from like a, a Scottish Premiership club that's really not getting the game. For, for me, the fact that we need two, I think McCarthy makes sense. He needs to play games. I think he's he's not... I don't think he was a Postacoglu signing. He doesn't fit the way Celtic play. He's someone that lives in Glasgow, is available on a free transfer. I think he was a Celtic fan growing up. He lives down the road from me, actually, funnily enough. I haven't seen him unknown enough since we've been linked. I'll ask him, and if I get any update, I'll let everyone know. Um, but I can't make any promises. Um but I would, I would like them, but I, I think 
probably the concern for me is I think Alex Neal said four or five. I think me personally, I think six now because obviously I think the rumors are, and obviously these are just rumors. Like I don't know, I have no prior knowledge. Is that Dan Ballard's got a suspected broken foot? Um, Brad, it's a massive blow. First and foremost, how big of a blow? Is it? How big of a blow is it? And do we now need to be in the market for a defender that's going to start every week the way that Ballard was? Because if that's a broken foot, that's about three, four months. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we said anyway, we need one centre-half. I know we brought in Elisa, we've got Bath, Wright, and we have Ballard. But if we are going to a three, we always needed that extra man. Now, or nine, yes, he'll do a job there, but he's still technically a midfielder, class of a midfielder. So possibly two centre-halves definitely one and I'd say a proper experience one that, but again break the model it's like like we've done for Danny Bart last year um, I know I know you mentioned the, the list of players you mentioned breaking the model they were brought in to get us out of League One now I think we need to do it with players to compete in the championship um, Ballard's going to be a massive miss you could see he, he's got so much talent and how highly thought of he is he's got championship experience and it is a massive blow. I mean, regardless, if it's, if it's not a open foot, which is the rumours going round, you're still looking at maybe three or four weeks, just whatever he has done to it. So that's at a very minimum. Um, so, yeah, we definitely need another centre-half in. Um, I'm actually good that Ballard's got picked up an injury today because even when you see him try and get back up, he just collapsed straight away again. So, yeah, you couldn't put any weight on it and that, that is quite worrying. Um so, yeah, one centre-half, possibly two. And, I mean, we were saying, weren't we, last week, we definitely need another four or five bodies. It's definitely six now because we've not picked up an injury there. Um, I know he's not really in the starting lineup, but Diaku got a run out last week. He's picked up an injury again. So it shows how quickly injuries can happen when really going into the season, the, the, whole, the whole squad were fighting fit. So the injuries are starting to pick up already. And Touchwood doesn't happen in on Wednesday night, but if we pick up another injury, it's 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 just going to snowball, and we're going to need even more. So I'm hoping that the the hierarchy speakmen, etc., have looked at that now and they're working all hours to try and bring someone in. Um, and but I don't want it to be a panic buy because I think that's that might be a bit. Um. What's the word I'm looking for, Graham? It might be a bit risky. Could be a bit of a risk to, to like to go with the panic buy. Um, you mean like a Joel again, Lynch, like a Joel Lynch kind of signing in the Premier League when it was like, uh, sorry, in the League One when it was like, well, he's played for QPR, he's played in Division Above, he, he'll he'll be good. There was no thought put behind it, and he was, he was absolutely yeah. fish. I mean, you know, if you look at the free transfer list for defenders, it's it, there's players there that you could say will add to the squad, which is maybe. What we're looking at, you've got Sean Morrison, he's 31. I think we've been linked to Michael Hector. I think Michael Hector does make sense. Sorry, jump in there, but because he really, he really does make sense because he's experienced, he's athletic, he can play across anywhere across the back because he's played at right back for Fulham as well. And he just seems like he covers all areas now because we are going to need a right sided defender to cover Ballard. There's no transfer fee. And it, it just, it's one of them where you just think, yeah, that makes sense. And mm-hmm. that's the kind of signing where it does not meet the model, but it's a bit of a Danny Bart, Corey Evans signing where you think they're essential to, for the young players that we want to develop to fulfil the potential. 
we see that that was going to be another Jay Clark Salter, isn't it? And I didn't fancy that. Um, really sad to see he was missing today. I think ultimately, though, you know, Brad, it's um, it's it's five points from three games, and I've kind of repeated that in my head on the drive home. That's a return I would have snapped your hand off. Be that a draw Bristol City in a winter day or a win against Coventry and, and two draws, like five points. And the performances do have frustrations in them. The goals we conceded at Bristol City were cheap. The goals, how late they were today, the game management frustrating. Not closing down um, Jock Perez when he scored that shot. That was a, a worldie. There's definitely frustrations in it. But ultimately, I've looked at the team and I've gone, well, Stuart and Sims look as good as anyone in this league. I wouldn't fancy playing them. There's some of the players that I thought could make the step up appear to have done. And it's a long old season and there's going to be points where we doubt that. But I think ultimately we look like we're going to cope. And that's the be-all and end-all. Um, I know like some of us would love us to go up twice and that would be amazing, but it's not going to happen. In my opinion, it's going to be a, a case of solidifying and I'd rather solidify right in the middle where we've got no danger of relegation whatsoever. And like I say, 15th, which has been my mantra, I think, since Ross Stewart scored against uh, Wigan at Wembley. Five points is not exactly what we wanted, but it's good. And we were two minutes away from being top of the league today. So do you have confidence after the first three games, bearing in mind that things can change, and they will, um, that would at least be safe and, and comfortable this year? Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. It's five points and unbeaten starts. I'd have taken that straight away. Um, unbeaten at home, albeit thrown away, probably four points in that as well. Um, ask me again after this next run of fixtures, mate, because I think these ones are probably the toughest run we're going to have, even though it's early in the season. This block of fixtures coming up now is probably the toughest if you look at them throughout the rest of the season. It was it. Chef United, Stoke, Norwich, Middlesbrough. A lot of people, three of them, people are tipping to probably be in the top six. So that'll be a, a good gauge to see where we're, where we're going to be at. Um, again, it's it's depending on if we get more bodies in. I am confident with the squad that we have got at the minute that we will be all right. I think there are worse teams in this league than us, but we need to bulk up the squad for me to be confident that we can maybe take it to that next level as well 15th more than happy with that like I was going to go 15th but then for some reason I jumped up to 5th is my prediction but um, yeah I'll, I'm happy um, big gutter on the way that will drop points but on the whole mate unbeaten and, and happy got a couple of minutes left here Ross and just, just to end I think Brad touching those games big games coming up two way games Sheffield United's tough that is, a, that is a rough away game. I only wish we had Max Power to score a 30-odd scream like we did a couple of years ago, but alas, he is now at Wigan. Um, and then Stoke, which I think they haven't had the best of starts, but Stoke away is never an easy game. It's a bit of a bit of a cauldron. Um, I don't know what it's like these days, but it was never nice to go in the Premier League. How many points... We're always targeting six points, but how many points would you be comfortable with us coming out of those games and, and what do you think we'll get? Um... I don't know, to be honest, because I think with the championship, it's such an unknown quantity at the moment. We don't know what to expect. Like, today when QPR rocked up, I looked at the team and I recognised quite a lot of the players. But then I watched them and I was like, they're, they're not as good as I thought they were. <laughs> like, basically, I mentioned Ilias Chair on Quest, they're saying like, oh, he's a genius. And he scored a great free kick, don't get us wrong. But for 87 minutes, he was anonymous. And then you have like teams like Sheffield United who... 
everyone's tipping like, oh, they could go further this year. And then I watched them. I can't remember. It was, I think it was against Watford, first game. And they had nothing up front. So I don't know what to expect, if I'm honest. As long as they stay unbeaten, I'll be happy right now. And I'd love to see a couple of more players in because I know Alex Neil was very before the season started like, oh, we don't want to get left behind. This is now going to be the fourth game since we last signed a player. Fifth game, sorry, if you include the Cups. So I think now he's been patient enough and he's got enough points in the bag to like earn a bit of, you know, a bit of backing now from the from the recruitment team. But as long as we like to see a Brad's honest uh, the performances, as long as we keep performing to a good level and we're competitive, I'll be happy. And a few points along the way will be good. Yeah, I think I think the same. I think ultimately um, gutted because you like winning games, but uh, I think a positive one. Um, as always, that that's kind of all for this week. Um, I think there's a couple of preview shows coming this week. I might start doing midweek ones just because I don't have a life and all I do is record and edit podcasts. Um, but thanks for joining as always. Uh, subscribe, share, do whatever you want. Don't care. Um, I just I think it's what you meant to say at the end of the podcast. But um, thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for sticking with the lads. And see you next week, Brad, Ross, and hopefully Dave. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Graham.